Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Well, we finally have it, the HomePod. We talk about that as well as improvements to HomeKit on today's Smart Home Show. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. It's going to be another quick intro, just like the last one. And just like the last one, it's a conversation with Adam Justice, this time after the big news out of WWDC. I catch up with Adam. He's still down in Northern California, still going to WWDC, but I wanted to chat over what he's heard. Uh, he attended the HomeKit meeting yesterday where Apple talked in detail about what they're doing around HomeKit this year. We also talked about the keynote, what we heard about the new HomePod, which I'm sure you guys have all read about now. So we talk about all that. We re revisit some of our predictions. But overall, I want to thank Adam for uh, getting on today's podcast. If you want to read about my observations, just go to thespoon.tech. I wrote up uh, my observations about HomePod, about what Apple will announce about HomeKit. So uh, you can read as well as here. Just go to thespoon.tech. All right, folks, that's it. Let's get to the podcast. Hey, it's the second conversation I've had with Adam Justice in a week. It's Apple. It's Apple week. And so, Adam, we're, we're getting together Basically looking at what Apple announced at the Worldwide Developers Conference this week and see how we did with our predictions last week. And uh, you also got to sit in on the HomeKit meeting, uh, the HomeKit presentation of what's all new with HomeKit yesterday at the Developers Conference. So let's start there. I want to hear what we learned. Uh, I, there are some articles written about it, but um, it seems like there's some big news around HomeKit. Yeah, uh, it was definitely a, a really good talk. And uh, if you have a developer's license, uh, definitely go back and, and check that one out. You can stream those. But um, some big news. So I think um, one of the big ones that they started out with is that HomeKit is opening up to anybody with a developer's license. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty big deal and, and kind of uh, gives people a, a chance to you know, tinker around a little bit. And it sounds like, you know, you still have to join MFI if you want to, if you want to actually take something to production. But, you know, for those that just want to check it out and see how it works and things like that, uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity. So the difference being is before you had to be part of the MFI program, which is their third party hardware accessory program, which really kind of spun out initially of the iPod, kind of the iPod accessory world evolved to kind of incorporate HomeKit and so it's been a fairly closed and tight knit community and this opens it up quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Obviously there's, you know, way more developers out there and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe that was a little daunting before or people didn't really know how to do it and, and get involved. So, you know, this opens it up more for everybody. And also I think it'll be good just for more people in the community to understand how HomeKit works. So, um, you know, and for those of us who are in it, maybe we can talk about it a little bit more. Cause, you know, there were certain things we couldn't say or whatnot, but uh, I still haven't looked at what's all in there. So I have to do that. I think I wrote an article like two years ago, like uh, the first, the first rule of HomeKit Club is you don't talk about HomeKit Club <laughs> because it was such a secretive, like club-like thing. I think initially, you know, it was, they were sworn everyone to secrecy and said they'd come and get them in the middle of the night if they talked about it. Clearly that we're, we're much far removed from those early early days where everyone was sworn to secrecy 
clearly there's probably things you don't want you to talk about, but like opening it up to developers is a big deal. Like you said, you could talk to people about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited about that and, uh, excited to see what, you know, what people are going to build. And, you know, I think overall it's going to be really good for the ecosystem. Another big announcement. I think this was huge. Um, I'd love to get your perspective. I saw this, uh, on the Twitters. Um, they, they mentioned it during the HomeKit talk yesterday. They're moving towards software authentication, which I think is a, a big, big step for HomeKit. Yeah. Um, they were really, the, the details on this one are pretty sparse. Um, like that, that's about all they're saying right now. Um, but it, at least in theory, uh, it sounds like it's a good move. Uh, I think there's a couple reasons why. Um, you know, so there are some products. Um, I think real quickly before, for context for everyone, HomeKit was different than other home network standards in that you needed, they had on, onboard hardware based authentication, meaning they had a chip in there for that. And, and now they're moving to software, correct? Yeah. I mean, the hardware is not going away. That is certainly going right. to be an option still for people. Um, but they're just giving another option as well. Um, so, what somebody was explaining to me, and I, I, this didn't occur to me, but in certain uh, cases, like maybe let's say a light bulb, you know, uh, the authentication chip can only be so hot. And so having that in a light bulb next to, you know, something that's glowing or whatever, you know, so that can be one case where, you know, maybe it, you physically cannot do that with a hardware authentication chip. Um, also size, uh, cost. And then, of course, there's everything that's in the market already. Um, that before they had to do a new version of that hardware in order to, um, support HomeKit. So, um, you know, it, still to be said what, what's going to be involved in this. And, and, you know, I would say one of the things Apple does really well in, in smart home standards and why this, this authentication chip was there in the first place is because they take security very, very seriously. So, uh, even though that's moving to a software model, they still take security very, very seriously. And so, you know, it's possible that that could be somewhat of an intensive process that requires, you know, certain things in your hardware. So that doesn't mean all of a sudden that, you know, the doors are open and everybody's going to be able to run, you know, HomeKit on, you know, stuff that's been in the market for five years. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's encouraging and it's, it's definitely going to be another option. And, um, it's definitely promising, but um, I think don't be so quick to be uh, thinking that any and everything is going to support it overnight. Yeah, it, it was one of the the reasons why HomeKit, I think, was slow rolled in the beginning. Uh, you had the story of, like, I think Stacey Higginbotham wrote, wrote up, Ecobee had to actually go and make an entirely new product, then they had to sit on it for a while because HomeKit did take a while to get out. And to your point, um, you can't just take five-year-old st- products with, limited amount of memory and, and kind of a very limited CPU and say, we're going to make this home kit enabled. So it may actually have a fairly stringent uh, uh, approval process. Yet may be a lot of things you have to do to make something home kit compliant around software based authentication. But I think that's a positive. It sounds like a positive step. Yeah. I think it was definitely a, a step in the right direction for sure. Another interesting thing announced yesterday that I saw, I'd love to get your perspective is NFC and QR code pairing. Sounds like they're going to actually make the pairing of HomeKit devices a little bit easier. Yeah. So actually uh, we had a HomeKit meetup here in San Jose and uh, I actually saw a demo of the NFC pairing from somebody who was working on it already. So 
that's what I love about the uh, Apple developer community. They're they're quick to jump on this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it looks really slick, and um, you know, I uh, this is something you know we've said you know a few years ago we'd really love to see, and uh, you know we think it's a, a great use case for it, and um, it also plays to some of that story where you know there are things that it doesn't make sense to put a sticker on. Um, there are things that, you know, it's challenging to, um, you know, have a label as big as it had to be before, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, the, the good news is the team at Apple, um, are hearing the request from the manufacturers and trying to solve these challenges. And I think NFC is going to be huge. Uh, it makes a ton of sense and, and I'm happy to see them opening it up. One of the other new things with HomeKit was they also had new event triggers, which, you know, when we talked about our, when we made our projections last week, we talked about HomeKit becoming more contextually aware, um, maybe better understanding what we can do. And, and, and I think this is part of that. I think this is helps make, kind of, I think this helps make HomeKit more aware of what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big feature here was the ability for HomeKit to do, um, kind of like find my friends tracking. Um, but on an individual level and with multiple people in a house. So the good part here is that you have a wife or multiple people in your house. Um, you can take, take that into account and it's not just the one person and leaving your wife at home in the dark. And your wife won't get mad at you whenever you leave the house and the lights go off. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, some examples here are you can take a, a scene action. Um, when the last person leaves the house and same kind of thing when the first person comes back. Let's talk a little bit about HomePod. Um, I think, you know, just stepping back before that, I think that this was a very big show for HomeKit. Uh, I think it's the biggest show since uh, 2014 when they launched it. 2015 was a big disappointment. Uh, 2016, I think, was definitely more encouraging. But this was a huge step forward, obviously with improvements around HomeKit, but also with HomePod, it gives uh, from the ground up a new piece of hardware dedicated that can act as a HomeKit hub, which I think is an important thing for Apple's smart home efforts. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's got the same A8 processor that's in the uh, the current generation Apple TV. So it's got all the same hub capabilities as that device. And, you know, maybe <clears throat> proximity to your HomeKit devices doesn't make sense, you know, if you had a media room in your basement or something like that, that's not necessarily going to cover your whole house as a hub from there. So uh, this is a device that's going to be more centrally located and, you know, likely going to, you know, cover that a little bit better. And, you know, I think it's just another great point for people to, you know, command their HomeKit devices from this, uh, you know, smart voice enabled. And let's talk about the, what they announced. It's an impressive piece of hardware. Uh, they priced it at 349 bucks, So it's certainly coming in at a, at a much higher price than uh, the standard Echo. It's about three times what the Google Home is. But I don't think Apple cares. They're, they're trying to create a premium audio experience. And they use that phrase repeatedly. They use the term reinventing audio in the home. Uh, in a way, it seems like a little bit more threatening to to Sonos, at least, just from what it what it can offer from a sound perspective, and you have all the extra added features of HomeKit cap- capability as well as Siri capability. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Sonos seemed to be the you know, the target rather than 
you know, going toe to toe with, you know, Echo and, and Google Home. And yeah, I mean, I think when we talked last week, you know, we said they need to differentiate in some places. I think the one that they were talking about this week was, you know, was audio. And maybe they have some other big differentiating features, but with seven months to go before this thing ships, why would they talk about those and give everybody a chance to, to catch up? So I don't think we've heard the whole story here yet. And probably in a, you know, fall event when they announce the iPhone, we're going to hear a lot more about HomePod and hopefully have some other exciting home automation features. And you're one of those people, you know, we've talked, I think you've said, you know, you, you initially listened to your Amazon Echo. Uh, but then you just, from an audio quality perspective, you just kind of have stopped using it for, for music. You would, you would embrace a better audio experience. You think you're one of those people that, uh, would, this would appeal to because it's going to bring a higher audio quality, uh, than you would get with an Amazon Echo. Yeah. I mean, I think a really important thing to note is that, you know, when Amazon designed the Echo, from, you know, rumors and things I read, it sounded like the Echo Dot was really what they had in mind. But when they tested it, um, you know, people really loved some of the music features that were included there. And then, you know, thus the, the tower taller, you know, Echo with a, a better speaker was born. And, um, and so, yeah, obviously clearly this is a, a key use case for these types of devices. And, and, you know, Apple went all in on it to, you know, have the best one out there. And when Amazon launched, they, it was interesting because they really had a Trojan horse strategy. They really positioned it first as, hey, there's this wireless speaker you can use. Oh, by the way, we have this voice assistant called Alexa. And it I, it had what I call good enough quality audio that I think, you know, in this era of like over-the-top internet video, we've all kind of like made compromises uh, for convenience. I think the convenience of the uh, the Echo was enough to where you, you would live with audio quality. Certainly like my kids are happy with it. Um, and it's certainly on par with like a lot of the Bluetooth speakers out there. Uh, but, Am- but Apple's saying is, Hey, we think we can bring and differentiate with higher audio quality. I do think that price point wise, though, you're going to price some people out of the mark, out of that market, but I don't think Apple necessarily cares right now. Yeah, absolutely. They want to, you know, establish uh, a presence in this market and, you know, who knows down the road, maybe they'll come up with a, a, a low, a lower end, option or, you know, likely, you know, when HomePod 2 comes out, then HomePod 1, you know, that's all it seems to be their strategy. So HomePod 1 will be, you know, discounted $100 left, less or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think it should certainly be interesting. And overall, I mean, I think uh, this is great to have another giant in this space and it's going to help move everybody forward. So, you know, Google's going to bring their A game, Amazon's going to bring their A game, and let's hope that Apple brings their A game as well. It's interesting. I keep going back to this idea. Like, if Amazon had originally intended for the Echo to be like the the dot, which is a fifty dollars device, it, that really shows you that their strategy was a let's let's get a pervasive, uh, basically listening device in in every room because it's low cost enough. We want this to have basically become a voice interface for commerce or whatever. Apple saying we want to start with the music as our first foot forward. Um, I, I just think that's it's just really interesting when you think about it, and it, how it'll evolve over time would be really interesting. It definitely seems like Apple is okay with seeding the numbers because you're definitely going to have more Echo Dots out there at the fifty dollar price point than a three hundred fifty dollar device, but they're certainly okay with that. And one of the things I, I thought about and I wrote about is 
I still think like they see the iPhone and iOS devices as really critical for Siri and virtual assistants. So I, I think that their ace in the hole still continues to be uh, their huge market share around iOS devices and, and as an I, as a Siri interface. You know, when I talk to people about Siri and they, you know, say, eh, you know, Siri's really not that good. It seems like most people tried it initially and kind of gave it a, gave it a shot then and then really haven't used it in a while. So, you know, maybe they don't even know if, if it's gotten better and things like that. So I think this is a second chance for Siri and, you know, hopefully they've made the improvements. And I think the other big piece here too is that, um, now, you're going to have, what is it, six microphones listening in to hear your voice. So, you know, maybe part of the issue with, you know, people's experience with Siri so far is that, you know, it can't hear them on the single microphone that's on the phone. Yeah, they definitely did. And they had some work on Siri. You know, one of the predictions uh, I made, at least, was, uh, you know, this would be a really big coming out for Siri 2.0. I don't know if we quite got that, but we definitely saw some definitely step forward. Uh, for example, the Siri face on Apple Watch, I think, was important. It sounds like they had a few announcements around Siri Kit, maybe opened it up a little bit more. I don't, I don't get the impression that it was as opening the the doors as wide open as as Alexa has done. But it sounds like they're definitely moving forward with with opening it up to developers. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know the this type of you know AI and voice assistant stuff is there are hard problems here. So I think it's hard to have giant leaps in this space. It's just something that's going to continue to get better. Little by little over time. I really appreciate you talking to me from the show four uh, from WWDC, Adam Justice. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I uh, hope you appreciate, like I do, Adam Justice getting on from the four of WWDC. That's why we had a little bit of background noise, as is often the case when you're talking to someone on a mobile. So overall, though, I think it was great. I hope you feel updated on HomeKit and what happened with HomePod. As always, I appreciate you listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Check out the spoon.tech. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, feel free to do so. I'm at Michael Wolf. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.